Ever want to know what we talk about behind the scenes? Want someone to tell you what to read next? Look no further. We've got you covered. Welcome Behind the Bookshelf, Country Bookshelf's fortnightly podcast bringing the bookstore to you. Settle in for bookseller conversations, book recommendations, bookish and bookstore news, eavesdrop as we talk to authors, get to know our booksellers, and dive deep into some of our favorite books, our reading habits, and other bibliomysteries. We're heading Behind the Bookshelf. Hello, I'm Jessica here at Country Bookshelf, and I'm joined by our booksellers, Emmy and Christina, to head back in time to talk about the YA books we wish we had as teenagers. It'll be a longer trip for some of us, but we hope you'll come with us behind the bookshelf. Hi, Emmy. Hi, my name is Emmy. I'm a bookseller here at Country Bookshelf, and what I'm reading right now is The Deep by River Solomon. It is a Afrofuturistic tale with mermaids, and it's sort of folktale-esque, and it is absolutely excellent. It is now my mission to shove it in everyone's face and hopefully get everyone to read it because it's truly excellent. It's real good. And it's based off of a concept album by the hip hop artists Clipping. And you may recognize Clipping as the major project of Hamilton star David Dix. Yes, the song is excellent. And I did listen to it. I did wait until I was done with the with the book. And then there's a great little section at the end um, about how it is sort of a new iteration, like the game Telephone. And I enjoyed going backwards through the telephone chain, for sure. Hi, Christina. Hi, Jess. Yes, I'm Christina. Um, I'm a bookseller at the Country Bookshelf. And I'm currently listening to the audiobook of When Women Were Dragons by Kelly Barnhill. And it's set, well, starts in the 1950s. And um, it's about uh, just a moment in history, kind of sci-fi fantasy, when housewives, single women turned into dragons. So I'm still in the early pages, but it's really good. And I'm looking forward to seeing all the details of it. But it's very good so far. I'm Jessica, and I'm currently listening to We Had a Little Real Estate Problem, which is about indigenous comedy and has made me truly laugh out loud at parts, but has also been really informative and interesting look at the history of pop culture and the ways that we respond to humor and who we think is funny. And it's been delightful. That's what I'm reading. We are here to talk about young adult literature. I feel like we are some of our staunch YA readers here at the store. And I'm curious, when did you start reading YA? Like at what age were you reading YA? Oh, too young, I think. (laughs) I was a voracious reader. I read all of the middle grade chapter books my little library in my school, in my K-8 school in rural New Hampshire had. Um, and I jumped up to YA really fast. And it's been really interesting because I, I'm a big rereader. I'm a big nostalgia fan. So I've gone back to lots of these books over and over again. And I even reread all my YA favorite in 2020 to deal with the pandemic anxiety that I had. And the first few rounds of rereading, I was so surprised that I missed so much because the 
I wasn't the target audience for the book. And then I went through like a second round of rereading where I suddenly had more base for critical reading. I had experience on um, interpreting literature. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, and there's a bunch of stuff I absorbed unintentionally that I shouldn't have. So it was both missing stuff that was written in and absorbing stuff that mm, I probably shouldn't have absorbed, just as I feel like what we're going to talk about today, right? Why we wish we had when we were young. It's just getting so good. And I think taking young people seriously and their needs and development and brains and bodies seriously is really great. So I, de- yeah, I definitely started young. I feel like I had the the opposite because I, I'm older than the two of you. And so I didn't, like, why wasn't marketed in the way that it's marketed now? So when I was a teenager, I didn't necessarily go to the YA. Like, there wasn't a section. Like, it was a category, but it wasn't a section um, in the bookstores that I went to. And so I didn't start reading YA until I was in my 20s. So I, I'm the forever young adult. <laughs> what about you, Christina? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Thinking back, I don't think I ever really got on the young adult train. I think like I had the like fantasy books that I read like at a, as a middle grader, like the Spiderwick Chronicles and the series that I was obsessed with in middle school. And I don't think they publish it anymore. It was the Chronicle of Fairy and it's uh, by an Irish author and it was set in Ireland. So that was like my big thing there were like only four books I I remember reading like the blockbusters like the Hunger Games and like I didn't even read like the Fault in Our Stars and I feel like that was a big thing when I was in high school so yeah I I mean I think it was the same YA has grown so much even within the last 10 years I I was a latecomer to YA and I still am you know I'm still discovering those new titles which is fun one thing I did want to mention after listening to you guys is I so I probably started YA in middle school and then um, moved away from it and did the very not like other girls attitude right I'm cooler than that that's all cringy very much engaging in that culture and to me returning to YA has been this awesome embracing it fully for what it is Um, and that's been so fun and I think that's why I've been loving YA again is I had that break and I grew a lot as a person and I got to finally appreciate it again. I feel like that's one of the kind of interesting things about why as a category because even like with our teen advisory core and things that we've had at the store a lot of our teen advisory core members skew more towards middle school than high school and then a lot of our high schoolers do have that kind of like I want to be grown up sort of mentality and so they they aren't necessarily reading that they're reading from the quote-unquote adult side which was definitely how I was as a teen as well so same Yeah, I think I was the same. It was like, "Mm, I don't really identify with any of the YA books out here right now. So like, let's just jump into adult fiction. So as we've kind of teased, what YA have you been reading lately that you wished you had when you were a teen? So the one that while I was reading it the whole time, I was just trying to teleport myself back to hand it to younger Emmy um, was 
Today, Tonight, Tomorrow by Rachel Lynn Solomon. It's a YA romance. So in the book, it's enemies to lovers. And the main character, her enemy is her academic rival. And he likes the classics. And she'll, she never says the titles of these classic books. It's just in italics. And it'll be like, White Man in Peril as the title. And it's just so funny. I love that. I love the embracing of that. It's excellent. But this book, oh man, just an essential part of the plot is the main character. She loves romance as a genre and has to deal with the flack of loving that. And she defends how it can be such a feminist space and that things that women like or tend to be more in the things that women or femme folks enjoy isn't inherently less than what like stereotypically or traditionally masculine folks are interested in. Um, And just having that said out loud in such simple words, which if you try to hand a romance book to young Emmy, the internalized misogyny would throw it out the window and say, no, that's that's not real writing. That's not that's not high quality content. The energy in the book, incredible. Uh, then also the way relationships are explained and like body positivity and sex positivity. My high school relationships would have been worlds worlds better than they were. And then also in this excellent book, I feel like she really grapples with who she expected herself to be in high school. And the whole book takes place on one day and the last day of high school and sort of how she has evolved and where she grew and didn't and how those expectations held her back in some ways. And I just like who I was in high school was very much like I've said this, this is who I am. And now if I stray from it, I'm like a liar or not good in in whatever way, right? And so whenever I see any high school age or late middle school age, especially femme person in the bookstore who's at all interested in a romance, oh my goodness, please take this book. Please read it because I couldn't read it and it would have um, changed my life. It's just all around magnifique. Amazing. What about you, Christina? So I'm really inspired by the range of diversity in the current young adult fantasy world, um, like Alato by Darcy Little Badger, tying in Indigenous folklore, and then the Akata Witch trilogy by Nadia Korofor, drawing on, you know, African heritage and mythology and history um, is really great because I was very much a fantasy reader with the YA books I did read, um, but I feel like they, the ones I read were very Eurocentric, white, straight, you know, cis relationships, uh, heterosexual relationships. And um, it's just really inspiring to see, you know, this open arms, like welcome and need for uh, the diverse stories, people of different color, of different genders, sexualities. And I feel like, I mean, 10 years ago doesn't seem that long, but I mean, it is a long time ago. The high school I went to, like, who knows how much much it's changed, but, you know, I can think back and I don't remember there being a strong presence of like, you know, pride and, you know, the marriage equality bill was like very new when I was in high school. So Um, Yeah, if I could travel back in time, I'd be like, hey, read all these because they're going to broaden your mind and your acceptance. And you'll also be able to be like, hey, I might identify with some of these people and their feelings. I feel like I turned to YA and spent a lot of time in fantasy in general looking for, for girls who did things, for femmes who did things, because I feel like a lot of the books 
that were sort of popular at the time were you you moved out of middle grade and you went to The Hobbit. You know, you went to a bunch of these other more male-dominated, male-centric kind of stories. And so I was like, but but what about girls who do things? And so while while I was in my 20s, I was so excited to discover like Alana the Lioness by Tamora Pierce and Robin McKinley's books and some of those older classics. I feel like the other thing that I was really excited for, I did a lot of reading in the the vampire realm as as a teenager and while i predated the the twilight era i was very much in the anne rice era and and i feel like both of those vampire franchises do have a lot of problems that are associated with them and so i've been really excited by authors that have been revisiting that. Particularly, there are a couple authors that are revisiting the Slayer-verse, the world of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And so there's a book conveniently called Slayer by Kirsten White. And she was actually, she visited the store back in the very, very beginning of 2020. It was one of the last in-person events that we did at the store before we had to shut down. And I really, I, I really love Kirsten White's writing kind of in general. I haven't read, I haven't read a bad book yet, but I, I was so attracted to Slayer because I felt like she took a lot of these tropes and things that you're, fans of Buffy would notice and, and really built them out and expanded them. and there there were wonderful easter eggs for buffy fans but if you had never read buffy before it was still this really cool world to dive into and explore and i really loved the way that it centered sisterhood so it wasn't about like i need to find a man to complete me or i need to find a partner to complete me it's like how do i reckon with being separated from my sister and like what does it mean to be a chosen one which is kind of Similar to Kendari Blake's book that's coming out, I think, this fall, uh, In Every Generation, uh, which is another Buffy the Vampire Slayer revisit. There's been some great Vampire Slayer stuff. There's a series called The Rebel Bells, which is vampire slayers in debutante society in the South. <laughs> but in like modern debutante society in the South uh, by Rachel Hawkins that just give me giggles. Um, And then I'm really excited for an anthology that came out last year, Vampires Never Get Old. And some of the short stories um, have been pulled and are being, not pulled, but like are being expanded. And there's a short story in there by V.E. Schwab, Victoria Schwab, that's being adapted to television. So I'm excited to see that on Netflix and experience some more vampires. Yeah, I really like um, what you were saying about, you know, getting to break these molds that I think um, are still a little bit joked about, I think, in the Y land of like, I'm avocado egg basket, which I pulled like almost directly from a TikTok where they're making this joke, you know, and I'm the chosen one. And there's two boys who I who like me and I have to figure it all out, you know, and I I've been really enjoying um, especially fantasy YA lately that has been breaking that mold. As an adult person, when I look at um, adult fantasy, unless the story 
that is trying to be told and the idea that is being played with and exposed and uh, manipulated, right? So whatever that is, if it doesn't have to do with our world's understanding of patriarchy or gender roles or that sort of dynamic, I personally find it, I don't want to be mean and say like lazy, but it's, I'm less interested if you rewrite our version of patriarchy into your fantasy world for no reason other than you think it's space. You think that's like unquestioned is sort of the feeling I get, right? So when you think like medieval Eurocentric fantasy setting and like women are subjugated and it's not even questions and there's wars, right? And only men fight in the wars, but like why? The fantasy world, you made it up. Um, And so there's this awesome uh, fantasy duology. Uh, First one already came out. Second one's coming out in August by Judy Lin. Um, First one's Magic Steeped in Poison. And it's East Asian set, um, like a fantasy world that's East Asian inspired. And there's just no patriarchy because it's not a, a point of the story, right? So it's a court fantasy, which I've run away from in my adult career because I'm like why if I'm gonna escape into a fantasy world why do I put the patriarchy back in unless I'm exploring some dynamic of it that I find really interesting Um, and so it's a court fantasy we're at the emperor's palace right and like the emperor's heir is a woman no biggie and all of the guards, the cooks, the, all these roles that are often so gendered, both in Western culture, gendered in Eastern culture, right? It's just, it's not in this book, right? So they'll just be like a female general, no explanation, like no, like uh, not explanation, but no um, like justification, right? There's not like, oh, she just happened to have like seven brothers and uh, like magically is good at fighting. No, she's just a woman who's a general, right? And then there's like, um, and so I, I love that. And another thing I actually really like um, in another East Asian, but sci-fi is in Iron Widow by uh, Zhirin uh, J. Zhao. I, I know my pronunciations are not ideal. Um, but what I love about Iron Widow is, I think a great phrase that people like to use is I support women's wrongs. You know, I support women's rights, I support women's wrongs because so much of that like quote unquote classic YA trope of the heroine is she does things for the right reasons because she has this like incredible moral compass and she wants to be the best and or not be the best but like do the right thing and it's always very self-sacrificing and it's very putting the world before themselves and then that's where the romantic entanglements get complicated but in this book we got a female main character who's just out here to win, to do things for power because they want it, they're going to claim it. You know, it's um, it's breaking that mold on like, oh, well, you do things because you're deeply virtuous inside. No, like, yeah, people are complicated. Let's explore that. Let's think about that. Let's see women succeeding, frankly, for the wrong reasons. <laughs> you know, stop selling this narrative that, success and this is I don't know I feel like it just tells the story to young girls of like you have to self-sacrifice and be perfect and do all these things to be seen as good and then to succeed and I just I just love playing with breaking that mold and I feel like so many fantasy young well young adult fantasies are starting to do that I mean just as you were talking I was thinking from one of the classes that I took which was resources for young adults 
or digital age teens was the fancy title. Um, but kind of one of the main points that was repeated throughout the course was how, you know, books can be mirrors for young people, but they can also be roadmaps. So, you know, with, you know, supporting women's wrongs, you know, a young person can read that and be like, hey, like, let me take what, you know, I'm identifying from this book and apply it to my life and my world. And how can I move forward? So, I mean, I think it's great that, you know, based on the experiences that each of us have had, like books can be just like pure escapism. Like I don't need to apply any of it to my real world. Like I'm just here for the book. Um, but then those characters or storylines that stay with you and be like, okay, let's look at the world around me. It's kind of the same. We're in a weird dystopian, who knows what's going on. So let's support women's wrongs here. Let's cause some trouble. <laughs> good trouble, as John Lewis would say. Yes, good trouble. I like it. I'm here for it. I, I think all reading, good good fiction helps us live in our world. And it can do that in multiple ways, right? By either showcasing something that's real and giving us an example to think about and play with in our minds and develop empathy for, or to even just like escape and maybe watch people care for each other in a good way, watch relationships like succeed or fail, right? Um, or even just taking care of ourselves. Um, and then also, like you're saying with roadmaps, right? Like solar punk has become one of my favorite genres, right? Which is sort of, um, for those who don't know, it's sci-fi and opposite of dystopia. So it's thinking of a future where things work out. But it's important to have hope in the dark. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, for example, that's why I love um, what I was saying earlier about like, if you're not playing with gender as an idea, like in Iron Widow, right? We're like breaking down the patriarchy and we're talking about it, right? If we're not doing that, like magic steeped in poison, that's not the point of the story. Let's imagine what world is like without it. It starts to rewire our brains and the way we think about each other and um, the way we start treating each other and what we can imagine for our futures. Well, thank you so much, uh, to both of you for letting me take some of your time. I so appreciate you sharing this with us and with our listeners. And we'll hopefully catch y'all next time behind the bookshelf. We'll be releasing episodes twice a month on Wednesdays. So don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcatcher and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help more people find the show. You can get more reading recommendations on our website or in our email newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Country Bookshelf, all one word. We'll catch you next time behind the bookshelf. Mm-hmm.